0: Good morning. Happy Friday and welcome to another special edition of Work Human Radio. I am your host, Mike Wood. And if you've been following us, Steve Pemberton, our CHRO, has been speaking to the greater Work Human community about uh, different things that we can do to get us through this tough time. Uh, we believe very strongly in past speakers and our uh, network of resources uh, to help people. So today he's going to be talking to Erica Duan. Erica is a past speaker at Work Human and she um, is a writer and all about the power of connectional intelligence. So take a listen to Steve's interview with Eric Dwan, and I'll see you on Monday. Have a great weekend and stay safe. Hi, everybody.
1: It's Steve Pemberton, the Chief Human Resources Officer at WorkHuman. And today for our Keeping Work Human series, I'm talking with Erica Duan, founder and CEO of Cotential, a global organization that helps companies, leaders, and managers leverage 21st century collaboration, skills, and behaviors. She's also the co-author of Get Big Things Done, The Power of Connectional Intelligence. So we're going to learn a little bit more about that. Thanks for joining us, Erica. How are you?
0: I'm great. Thank you for having me, Steve.
1: So where are you in the world?
0: I am in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, in uh, my childhood home with my parents right now and my husband and two kids.
1: Wow. So tell tell us about that process, uh, because you were in, uh, in New York City's traditionally home, right?
0: Yes. um, We left New York City uh, just about five days ago, um, right before, you know, the announcement was that anyone from New York City needed to quarantine themselves if they left. Uh, You know, right now, New York City is in a situation like I've never seen it, having lived there for almost 15 years. Uh, The streets are completely empty uh, and everyone is working from home. And, and, in many ways, um, working human in a digital format is more important than ever.
1: Yeah. Well, certainly that's been one of the major uh, learnings and outcomes as a result of COVID-19. Uh, but before we dive into that, you know, tell me how you wound up in this world of digital collaboration. What was your career path?
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I started out my career uh, years ago at Lehman Brothers, of all places, and I worked through the 2008 bankruptcy and and recession. And after that, you know, I really went on my own sort of soul-searching journey around, in today's world, what is, you know, the future of leadership, the future of work really look like? And it led me to a completely different research path where I spent years at Harvard and MIT, first as a researcher uh, and then as an author, really studying this key question that in today's world, how do we really get big things done? Uh, and what are the most important skills? And what I saw was well, many people were talking about technology or the rise of millennials, What I saw was that there was a unique skill set underneath that was allowing certain teams and leaders to get big things done. And it was a skill set that I called connectional intelligence. So if you think about what emotional intelligence was in the 90s, in today's age, it's not just about our IQ and EQ. It's also about how do we connect intelligently across networks of all kinds, digital, in-person, across unique peer groups, across uh, functional groups in our company, with our customers. And our new world has actually allowed us to connect in so many new and different ways. And the job of us as leaders is to ask ourselves not just how do we connect more, but how do we connect intelligently because we have access to these resources. Uh, So that led me to writing um, my, my book on connectional intelligence and doing the work I do today with leaders and teams around the world.
1: So define connectional intelligence
0: um, yeah.
1: you know we're, we're um, walking past each other and I ask you what I just said, hey, what do you do? Uh, how would you define it?
0: So the, the definition of connectional intelligence is a lot of the ways that we measure uh, networks today is through the quantity of networks, but connectional intelligence is about measuring the value from the quality of our networks. so the exact definition is the capability to create value by through unlocking sorry about that. It's the ability to generate new and unrealized value by fully harnessing the power of our networks and relationships. So let me give you an example. A few years ago at a large uh, toothpaste company, Colgate, there was one team that was working on a scientific challenge. And there was a fluoride issue where the fluoride was getting, the new fluoride was getting stuck in the equipment and it wasn't meshing well. And all the best chemists were trying to figure out why. And they couldn't figure it out. It was taking months and months and costing hundreds of thousands of dollars. And at a certain point, they said, we haven't been able to figure out this chemistry problem. Why don't we ask a different network? And there was one leader on the team that said, you know what, I'm part of this crowdsourcing community called Innocentum. Let me pose the question there in an anonymous way so there's no confidentiality issue. Within two days of posting it, a physicist looked at the problem and said, this is not a chemistry problem. It's a physics problem. It's about charged particles. You charge the fluoride one way, the toothpaste the other. Instantly, the problem was solved. And Colgate learned a few things. The first thing they learned is that they didn't even dare to ask the physicists at their own company because they had labeled it as a chemistry problem. The second thing they realized is that by casting a wider net, they were leveraging insights from people that would never have worked at Colgate. The, the physicist didn't, was a freelancer, never want to, wanted to work at a big company. But in today's world, we can access and engage networks in profoundly different ways. And so when using connectional intelligence, we have to ask ourselves, how are we designing our questions in ways that we can discover first what the problem really is? Who can help us solve this problem?
1: So as we're looking at the you know, global response to COVID-19 and both the the rise of it, the acceleration of it, and the response to it mm-hmm. almost could be framed through connectional intelligence. You know, the inability uh, to reach across networks in the early stages to better understand uh, exactly what this was the severity of it uh and then at the other end of the spectrum the response to it whether you're talking about repurposing organizations to build ventilators uh, yeah. match uh the the pace and demand it almost is a working case study for yes. the need uh you you on the one in both the absence of and the presence of connectional intelligence yeah. so do you agree with that
0: Absolutely. Well, what we're seeing is um, in certain situations where these networks have already been using connectional intelligence, they're able to help those in need much faster than situations where it didn't exist. Um, My sister is actually an infectious disease doctor working on the front lines in San Francisco right now. She um, is one of the leaders in the infectious disease department at San Francisco Department of Health. And, one of the things that um she immediately did, and we talked about this a month and a half ago, was created it's simple as the whatsapp group across the infectious disease doctors that she knew from her network across the country and she just started with her informal network but then that grew to other people inviting other infectious disease doctors and you you know you'd think that there was some coordinated effort, but in fact there wasn't at all until this Period of time where there was that constant interaction, besides, you know, an association or traditional calls. And these doctors on the ground were much more effectively, as a peer group, able to share information than the CDC, for example, top down. We see this also with moms. I'm part of a moms group in New York City, and um, I'm part of an email network with them that are actually sharing resources and trading. Information while they're all in New York City right now on lockdown in their homes. People sharing, I have extra groceries, come to 24th and 6th Avenue. Um, Another mom who needs a pediatric dentist um, for her son right now and is asking the network if there's a dentist who can speak to her because the dentists aren't picking up the phones right now. Uh, So, you know, what we're seeing is two things networks that have already existed. Um, sharing information, communities on Facebook, helping one another, but networks forming out of this crisis as well.
1: So that leads me to a question uh, about uh, the implied nature of these connections that you're describing, That that's trust, in essence. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, there is so much information uh, out there now. Um, and, and you see everything from attempts to self-medicate You know, because of certainly the desperation, of course, uh, uh, but the desire, you know, to kind of get any kind of information that we can, you know, that we can act on, you know, seemingly a lot of, you know, counterpoints, different points. And so a lot of people across the world are asking, well, who am I to trust here? (laughs) Is WHO? Is it the leaders who are giving daily press conferences? You, You kind of see this struggle for, for for trust, how do you build trust in a digital world with so many ways to digest information?
0: Yeah, well, you know, I think at the end of the day, before COVID, what we were already seeing was a massive shift in how trust is built digitally, where, uh, you know, people were willing to trust Airbnb and hopping into an Uber, um, in a different way than five years ago, and right now we're seeing even a different level of that, where there's a sense of fear actually from you know the Airbnbs and the Uber, Uber type situations, um, and people are reverting back to you know the best medical advice that they can have and their trusted loved ones. Um, I think when it comes to how do we build trust in a crisis, which is a bit different than in our you know traditional digital workplaces. Uh, a lot of it goes back to consistency and speed of information. Uh, I would say that right now in a crisis, speed for leaders matters even more than substance when communicating with their teams um, about issues. Obviously substance matters, but it's just as important. uh, And the way that we use empathetic communications in, in our language, in how we share with our teams, is more important than ever. Uh, I'll give you an example. There's one client that I work with where an employee shared with me um, that they announced the remote working um, situation. But the way that they framed it was uh, in in an email. They said, "Due to government regulation, we are shutting down our offices um, and ask you to work remotely from home." And the instant response to that was, "You're saying it's government regulation. You're not care. You know, you're not acknowledging empathetically." What's going on? And it's a great example of, you know, when we resort to having a ghostwriter or a head of communications write this, uh, write our messages to our teams instead of doing videos, um, speaking in an empathetic way and being conscious of our communications, um, it can have major effects on employees. And that's just one example. Another example is Facebook executives who have been doing daily videos. With their team to connect. And these are executives who run teams of two to 5,000 people. Uh, So, you know, as we think about building trust now, it's a bit different. It's about speed, um, it's about conscious use of modalities. And I highly recommend video um, and email, but uh, being extra careful around the sensitivity of our words and our style, the way we may have taken for granted writing a fast message a month ago or five years ago. Mm.
1: Are there, uh, in a digital world, is there body language that uh, that we give off uh, intentionally or unintentionally?
0: Uh, yes, yeah. Um, my newest book um, that's coming out in the co- coming year is on the skills of digital body language. And what I've found is we all know that 75% of communication is nonverbal. It's our cues, our tone, our gestures but today up to 70% of the working team works virtually. Even if you're face-to-face, you have a phone in front of you, you have the PowerPoint slides, and it's changed our cues and how we pay attention. Uh, And what I found in my research is that digital body language, especially in times of crisis like this, is even more important than our traditional body language uh, because people don't have access to it. And so um, if you are thinking about how to use digital body language carefully and intentionally with your teams, the first thing to think about is the mediums you use and think about the choice of the medium, whether it's Slack or text or um, or video, are the signals of priority to your team uh, and what you think and see as important versus urgent. So if you send a group text, that may signal urgency. If you send emails that may signal you can take, you know, 24 hours, but um, it requires more complex thinking. Um, If you have a video, um, you're sharing with them that I want to be able to see you too. And I want to be able to read those cues with you. The second digital body language signal that's really important right now is I'll call it the CC and BCC um, in the two line, but it's really the measure of inclusion right now. Um, we think, you know, we, we talk about inclusion in many ways, um, but digitally, um, who we include and how we include them share signals to our teams. Um, I, you know, in the past, I, there was a, a running joke that uh, two employees had a joke about their boss that whoever was first on the CC line um, signaled more importance uh, between two peers. And that's just a, a joke from the past. But right now, um, how carefully we craft who we include is incredibly important. The third is timing. So do we respond in two minutes? Do we respond in two days? Do we respond in two weeks? Um, This is really important now. And letting your teams understand what type of timing is expected. uh, Because first, there are things that need to be shared and responded to instantly and can create a lot of anxiety and paranoia if not. But there are things that can wait um, and helping your teams understand that right now in this crisis period is really important and setting norms around that. And then the last thing I'll share is I'll call it punctuation and symbols. Uh, the notion of uh, cues today have completely changed in our written language because we have tools like emojis and exclamations and question marks. Uh, but they've been used differently now. So you know an exclamation mark, multiple exclamation marks can signal urgency, it can signal uh, excitement, but it can also signal shouting. And actually understanding when I say, get this done with five exclamations, what does that really mean? When I'm using emojis, um, is that softening um, the mood and the engagement of my team and helping them br- bring some energy to the team? Um, and even things like question marks, etc point when you write does that mean the two question marks it can be a simple request or question or it could be it could seem accusatory and so really understanding the digital cues of your workplace is really important and setting some norms around it especially in this period is critical
1: yeah the um you know the the ways in which we are um balancing a lot of the um you know the digital cues uh, personally versus professionally is different uh,
0: yeah.
1: so our children our are children in the professional world are professional. sometimes communicating you know differently uh and so whether it's abbreviations for for example or uh in my house with three um uh teenagers uh, the extensive use of uh, you know of emojis um in uh and, um, you know, always on them about punctuation in text, you know, to me. <laughs> right. So, uh, it's a running, running joke. Um, so you've seen it, that, um, uh, you know, commas save lives. Uh, yeah. so you, you know, it's, um, uh, you could say let's eat grandma
0: Yeah.
1: with, with no comma or well, grandma some difficulty.
0: You right. Know? Right. But
1: if you insert the comma after, you know, let's eat, <laughs> Right. So it's a joke, but it's a, it it um, you know it's a, a, a bit more serious message though uh, about what you mentioned earlier. How those things send a message of empathy. Um, yeah. So you, in an environment of urgency, you know, for for example, you can still be empathetic, uh, in in right. the midst of uh, this kind of urgency. So uh, the,
0: absolutely, I've seen clients who are, um, you know, created group texts and are using memes for the first time. And so what we're seeing is the way that we connect with our children or in our personal lives, especially in times of crisis in the workplace are actually transcending. Um, So we're seeing more of these cues being used at work um, and not in all situations, of course, um, but between teams and especially between peers, I wouldn't say as much across power levels. Um, But even, um, you know, the situation today, um, to be able to lighten the mood of your team, to bring some humor, to bring some sarcasm, isn't always as easy with just the written word. Uh, And so these digital body language cues can really help um, bring spirit and energy and morale.
1: Well, that uh, raises another question of how many life events now are disrupted. Yeah from children's birthdays to graduations from high school and college, like all of that, you know, the the community celebration in essence, um, we've lost that, um, and, and will regrettably. So it seems for, you know, the next uh, few months anyway, uh, you know, what are you, what are the ways that people can celebrate, uh, life events and, and socialize, uh, when when one has been taken away and then now you know kind of forced to do so through a very very different medium that is not physical connection but virtual
0: connection well you know the 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 way that i would think about it is um we can all use our connectional intelligence and think about how can we leverage our networks in a different way right now and so what we're seeing is the rise of um, virtual Shivas for funerals, virtual birthday parties on Zoom, uh, in the workplace, uh, happy hours going on to create that water cooler connection. Uh, we're also seeing um, birthday celebrations. Uh, so, across the board, what we know is that um, this is a unique time where we are trying and experimenting in new ways, and hopefully, we can take those lessons forward. Um, I just uh, you know, saw a virtual opera happening. Um, And so, you know, in many ways, we have to work within the constraints we're we're dealing with right now, but we can use our creativity and our ingenuity uh, to practice celebration and create social interaction right now. I I just witnessed last week, there was a virtual dance party going on. So, um, you know, one of the ways leaders can actually bring some of the spirit back that usually is there because you're in the office together is to do something fun with your team uh, virtually. And these are just the start of ideas, but to be authentic to your team in a way to see what creativity they may have. I have one um, client who is doing something where at every team meeting on a weekly basis now, uh, they send beforehand an article that's not corona. Related that's something related to their passion and they're rotating it and having a 10-minute discussion about it before they start the meeting And it's helping, you know, it, all of the individuals connect in a different way.
1: Yeah Well last question your reason for optimism in the midst of all of this uncertainty um, what what uh, What has you optimistic?
0: What has me optimistic? Um there's so much that has me optimistic. Um, you know, I come from a family of physicians and um, the dedication and the grit of people on the front lines has me optimistic. Um, the, uh, the consciousness of, of leaders um, in organizations right now who are showing that um, their shareholders don't matter first, their employees matter first, and are taking strides to do that, has me optimistic. Um, And um, every single person right now who is being willing to experiment, to be vulnerable, to be okay if their child runs in behind a call, um, has me optimistic. uh, Because this is the future of work and we are here. And we were here before we realized we had to be. Uh, and for the, you know, in many cases I've seen executives who always said, I'm a face to face person. Um, I'm, I'm a phone call person being willing to experiment in the new tools and modalities we have. And so, um, I believe that if we don't use connectional intelligence for good, it will be used to destroy us too. Uh, and so what I'm optimistic about is all the people using it for good right now. Yeah.
1: Well, thanks, Erica, for, for joining us. Uh, we know that um, certainly as this unfolds, and we'll get past it, uh, but your work and um, I, I think a lot of the insights that you provide on the value is going to be very, very important for a lot of organizations going, going forward. I mean, there will come a time when we'll, this will be in the rearview mirror, but there are going to be some things that are certainly going to be in the front seat, though. Uh, with us and this is going to be uh, one of them uh, you know this realization that we're not you know by being digitally connected here uh, that we're not losing a lot in fact we we may be gaining uh, a lot because some of the uh, things that we're learning about community um, and our citizenry uh, has a lot to do with our connectivity that is increasingly digital now. So, thanks for all of your life work, and uh, from the work Human family to to your family, and particularly, uh, you know, your your sister who is on the front lines on the West Coast. We really celebrate you. Thank you.
0: Well, thank you, thank you, Stephen, for all the work Work Human does to um, bring spirit and, and energy to leaders around the world.
1: Thanks for joining me today, and a special note of thanks to my guest, Erica Duan. I hope you learned a little bit uh, from her about the power and the importance of digital connection. I'm also happy to share that starting today, Work human is sharing more of the goodness that comes from having a hyper-connected culture. These are indeed trying times, and it's even more important that business leaders are creating and maintaining these human connections with their entire workforce. So if you log on to workhuman.com, you can find more information about bringing our life events, conversations, and social recognition solutions to your organization for free. We really want to help lift people up, and for other organizations to experience the incredible power of gratitude, and perhaps most importantly of all, see humanity at its very best. So I hope you'll take a look, be well, and we'll see you tomorrow.